You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 1150. I'm not interested anymore in building a glam site or a tiny home village or whatever you want to call it, unless it's already permanent. So the, the best way to do this is you actually find an old mom and pop campground that has mm. permits and it's running and you can go in and add value by a lot of these people aren't even on Airbnb or VRBO. They just have, you know, clients, they've been open for years and, and uh, you say, look, You've got Same all prices for all those years. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 5%. Yeah, you walk in and you can just modernize this place and make it really cool. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Hello, Rhino Nation. It is me, Brent Bowers. I have Johnny M. Martinez today. He is the host of the How to Quit Your Day Job podcast. And he had me on a while back ago. And I really wanted to get him on Wholesaling Inc. because he has a very unique land investing strategy. He goes out and purchases land and puts one of the, the most unique like sweetest Airbnbs that you could possibly build. And sometimes they're large, sometimes they're small. But what is really cool is most Airbnbs are in existing houses. Well, Johnny, he actually designs and builds these houses around the experience. So we're going to go ahead and get right into the episode. We recording? Yeah, we're recording, man. How's I going, feel like Johnny? I should have a cool, cool background and not just a camera and a $35 Amazon light. <laughs> hey, it's not about the background. It's about what we're going to share today with, with Rhino Nation. Great to have you, man. I'm very interested in your extremely unique strategy with what you're doing with land and Airbnbs. Uh, you shared a couple stories before we even hit the record button. I wish I was already recording, but, uh, where did Johnny come from? Like, where did you, where, what's your origin story? Like, why, why are you doing this? Yeah, I was born in Bellflower, California. Big thunderstorm, you know, raining down as soon as I was born and they knew it was going to be, no. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I was an engineer. I did stand up for a little bit. I had kind of an eclectic background for years. Stand up comedy? Of, yeah, yeah, for about four years. But I got sick of LA. I couldn't take it anymore. And I met, uh, while I was in LA, I met uh, my first business partner, Robert Abasolo. He owns, he has the uh, Raw Built uh, uh, YouTube channel that a lot of people, if you're in Airbnb and you've searched on, on YouTube or watched anything about Airbnb, you've seen Robert. He's one of the top guys in the space. And when I met him, we were just kind of starting out. He was ahead of me. He had a glamp site. He had uh, done rental arbitrage and all these things. And he had just bought a piece of land in Joshua Tree, California. And okay. I had, at the time, I had like two jobs, two full time jobs. I was just trying to get ahead and make, get ahead. You know, I was making six figures as an engineer. And then I, I decided, like, hey, I got to, like, the math doesn't add up here. How come I've got, you know, less than $10,000 in the bank? And, you know, I just wasn't working. So I said, I got to, I got to increase my income here. Now, I know we've talked before about how you, got into wholesaling and everything. And it's a great way to do it. And for me, I stacked up as much cash as I could in the, in the year of working two jobs. And then I went out and I bought a piece of land. We got a good deal on it. And I built my first house with Rob and it went well. We designed And when it. you say house, you mean Airbnb to Airbnb Correct, this yeah. house? Yeah, it was, it was in Joshua Tree. Uh, you can look it up if you search uh, Casa Mariposa or the butterfly Casa Mariposa. We got written up in Dwell Magazine. And it was doing great. We were making a ton of money on it. it. Was fully booked, 
And I built in that living room, these shelves that I'm proud of. And I'm actually building another set right now in a house I'm doing now. But yeah, uh, we ended up selling that house and made a nice profit. We walked away with like $350,000 of cash. And that was like, you know, a year of my time. And I remember I'm looking at this, this is incredible. The decorate, I mean, just how you decorated, this is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I could talk for hours about, and I do talk for hours when I do one-on-one coaching with people, but like the keys to getting an Airbnb booked, a lot of people just don't get it. And they think they do, they watch HGTV and whatever, and that's fine. But you got to put yourself in the top 10% of a market if you want to weather the storms and and really do well. The money's kind of concentrated up there at the top. And so we did that. We attracted a bunch of buyers and we said, hey, let's sell this. And I started doing some stuff on my own. Rob was doing stuff. We still do stuff together. We bought uh, three houses in West Virginia. Two of those are current Airbnbs. We flipped one. We bought 47 acres in Virginia next to Shenandoah National Park. We bought another plot of land, which we're building a crazy house in Joshua Tree. And we said, let's, let's try to blow this thing out. And that was the strategy. And since then, you know, it just became my life and, and my career. I realized that this is the pathway, you know, real estate is the pathway to using leverage of the bank and owner financing deals and all this stuff to, you know, really get ahead and get out of, you know, it's cliche, but the rat race, like that, that's the goal, financial yeah. freedom and live the life you want to live. But it sounds like, you know, you're not just a land buyer, you're a land developer as well as an Airbnb owner. So there's multiple different, so I see multiple different expertises. It's almost three hats. You are the land sourcer acquiring it mm-hmm. and then developing it and then running the Airbnb for a while. Do you sell all of them? No, no. So, you know, you want to go into these things with multiple exit strategies and you pivot based on what makes sense at the time, at, at the house, at the market conditions. So right now, and, I, and I'm a big believer in, you know, you have to, we, we were just talking about that book, Niche Down. You got to master one piece at a time. And then once that's good, I like to think of it as that's a box, that's an entity that I manage and run and you build it out. And as you build it out, you delegate things and you get it going and then you can start another piece. So if you're a land wholesaler, if you're a land flipper, if you're flipping houses, if you're buying land and developing an Airbnb, if you're buying land, developing and selling, those are all different things that you want to kind of master. And so I have a lot of projects going on at this point, but I have, let's say I have projects where I'm building to sell and I have projects where I'm building to keep. And it totally depends. So I, I'm, I'm looking in a certain market in Georgia right now, and I just noticed that I can develop and des- I can get land owner financed. I can, with almost no money down, I can now walk up to a... Yeah. So basically I can walk up to... A year ago, we didn't have land that was sitting on the market necessarily for that was buildable and in a good spot for 80 days to 300 days or whatever. And now we do. And so I can talk to a realtor in the area and kind of get it wired and everything. And then I can basically go up to a, a land seller and I can say, look, I want to buy this land. Your land's been sitting there. I'm sure you want to sell it. I'm going to give you, let's say they're asking a hundred grand or whatever. I say, I'm going to give you $70,000 for this land, but I'm not going to give it to you today. I'm going to give it to you in 18 months. Okay. And in that time, I'd say, I'm going to give you 10% now. So I'll give you 7,000. I'll even give you 10,000 right now. And then I'm going to make you interest payments. You're going to have an income on this land. And in 18 months, when my house is built and I refinance um, either to sell or to keep, I'll give you your money. And a lot of people, if they're, they think they realize that's a good deal. 
because they're making interest and they're going to sell the land anyway. You know, they're not, it's just sitting there right now. And so it's a good yeah, deal I mean, for the them. The interest is kind of the icing on the cake. Literally, it's, right. it's on top of what they would have gotten. And what, what type of interest rate are we talking? Everybody's different. I offer them market rate because I know that if I hard money buy this land, it's going to be, you know, 10, 11, 12%, right? Probably maybe more. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I work with the seller, then I can just, we have a note between each other. It's not on my credit report or anything. And I can offer them six, 7% and I can get this deal done. And that's kind of the the goal. Now I'm designing houses with some really specific characteristics. I like working with a company called Den Outdoors because they do, you know, back in the day you had vacation homes and you had primary homes, but you didn't have Airbnbs. And that's a whole different buyer, whole different market you have now. It's like this big segment of people that are looking around on the MLS for interesting homes. And so I build homes that can be either uh, second homes for people, but primarily people are going to be buying these for Airbnb. And so I'm designing homes that are going to be in a market where there's a lot of old places, not new builds, maybe remodels. I'm going in with a modern, it's got the string lights, it's got the Milky Way picture, you know, at night, it's got the hot tub, it's got the fire pit, the whole land is used and it's designed that way. And so usually when I get the appraisal at the end, the appraisal is going to cover my costs here plus and then some for enough to me to cash out almost everything I have in the deal and pay off this land and either sell or keep. So, yeah. Very interesting. Now you had mentioned uh, you're buying one parcel. It's 50 something acres. You know, that is that going to be multiple Airbnbs? So that's a crazy story. Um, I'm actually making a video soon about it. It's called The Greatest Glamp Site That Never Was. So we bought, Rob and I bought this this 47 acres, gorgeous, gorgeous views uh, next to Shenandoah National Park. I was in love with this land. And our plan was to go in and we were going to permit about 20 tiny homes on this land on the bottom part and get it running, build it, get it running on Airbnb, let the money come in. And then we were going to permit another 20 and then most likely sell it. Uh, we had comped out. We could even keep it. It was going to make a million dollars a year or more. And we were just excited for it. We were going to have tree houses. We were going to have rope bridges oh. going between trees. Everything you can imagine. It was going to be the greatest. We were looking around at everything that's out there and we were like, let's beat all of this. Let's really set our sights high. And that's the problem with when Rob and I talk, we kind of like it's like volleying something. It just keeps going too high, you know? Yeah, you guys and, are getting carried away. I, I'm seeing the expenses just adding up like crazy. Yeah, it was, it, it comped out. I mean, it made sense. And we were, we would have been, I mean, we were confident we would have been booked out constantly and, and we would have had 20 to 40 of them and they would have been doing great. And we got this land for, it was up for 200 and something. We ended up going under contract, I think for 190 and we used the farm credit there's financing in a lot of areas where you can get kind of farm credit financing. And we put, it was a 1031 exchange. So we had plenty of money and we put 20% down. So we had about 40,000 into it. And yeah. And so the thing about, and I talked to people about this, like I'm not interested anymore in building a glam site or a tiny home village or whatever you want to call it, unless it's already permanent. So the, the best way to do this is you actually find an old mom and pop campground that has mm. permits and it's running and you can go in and add value by a lot of these people aren't even on Airbnb or VRBO. They just have, you know, clients they've been open for years. And, and uh, you say, look, you've got all Same these prices for all those years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe 5%. Yeah. You walk in and you can just modernize this place and make it really cool and add Airstreams or whatever you want and, and make this a really cool experience for guests. 
And then from there, once it's running, you have a new business that you can either sell or you can just, just keep. But that was the idea. And this was a nightmare to permit. I'll just say that I had to fly out twice or three times. And the first time I flew out, I, I guess the city, the town had gotten wind that we were looking to do a tiny home village. And remember, this was a rural, it's 47 acres. The place was buried. You couldn't even, there were no neighbors, but somebody heard the term campground. And I think they thought we were going to put like a hundred, you know, RVs in there that people are going to go in. It's going to be a party, whatever. They got a bad idea about what we were trying to do. The whole and, not in my backyard type yes. attitude. So a guy went and got 200 something signatures from around the town and it's a small little community. And for the town hall, I walk in, it was overflowing with people and they saw me come in and they could tell it was me because I was from out of town and I sat down and they just turned and stared. It was like a record scratch. And uh, one of the, the council ladies pulled me aside and I said, is this normal to have this many people here? And she said, no, we've never had that. Uh, I said, okay. And I had to go speak and everything. And um, yeah, after that meeting, I kind of told them, I said, look, I don't want to disturb anything. I never, you know, I, I just want to build something cool. And this is not going to affect you guys at all. Like you won't even notice it. And we ended up stepping it down. We ended up going down to like seven units and they were just going to be cabins and whatever. But at the end, they finally struck it down. Uh, afterwards, they surrounded me in the parking lot after this meeting. And they basically, it was like, town hall with pitchforks and everything. And uh, I was a little bit fearful of my life at that point, but we ended up at the end, we had a good conversation and uh, there were some people crying. And I said, look, look, don't worry about it. We're going to get out of here. And I ended up selling the land to the neighbor and uh, everyone was happy at the end. But yeah, but the point is like, I'm not going to be doing that anymore unless I'm actually, unless something already has permits because the permitting process is too much of a question mark, you know? Man, I sell so much land to the neighbors and that just made me smile. Like, not that you had to deal with that. Uh, I don't go in and change permitting. I don't change zoning. I don't do anything to it. But uh, you're definitely getting me intrigued with the, the whole Airbnb. And it just like, I'm just seeing tiny homes and, and tree houses. We're actually looking at seven acres right now. And it's like, oh my gosh, like my mouth is like salivating over here. But I'm curious, what did you sell it to the neighbor for? You got it under contract for 190 yeah. And I, did you buy it? Did you actually take ownership of it? Yeah. Yeah. We closed on it because this whole process was probably six months. And okay. I told, uh, I told Rob, I said, look, I think I want to, we should pull the plug on this. And, and, uh, we kept going because I knew that once it was built, it was just going to be, they were going to, you can't even notice it's there. It's like, it's on 47 acres buried. And it, we, we said, let's, let's do like seven little cabins and it's going to be families and everything. And, uh, but we pulled the plug, we ended up selling it for, I think two thirty. So we made a couple bucks. It was a six month turnover. We were in forty, and we sold it for forty more than we uh, had bought it for. So that was yeah. nice, you know, not bad. Yeah. Two hundred thirty thousand subtract one ninety. Yeah, that's about forty thousand dollars. I mean, worth a couple plane fly or a couple flights, but uh, maybe not the PTSD of the pitchforks in the in the uh, parking lot, but. Yeah. And That's I felt crazy. bad because I think her name's Tracy. She's one of the town, the develop, you know, head of land development there. And she said, we're getting calls every, every week about people that want to come in, but it's not people like you. It's corporations that want to build crazy stuff out there that would actually yeah. disturb neighbors and stuff. And I'm just trying to provide a cool place for visitors to come stay at. Well, you, you probably increased the value because that neighbor did not want that happening. He was all for letting you make a $40,000 yeah. profit just to, just to buy it 
and let it be how it was. And that's yeah, what I see yeah. a lot of times. The neighbors don't yeah. want things to change. Yeah, they don't. Well, I realized that because what they saw was they saw some crazy. And I, I saw the comments. It was funny because there's wild turkey on the land. And one of the comments was when they're done with this, the only turkey that's going to be left is a bottle of wild turkey. And um, yeah, and they, they saw it as a big, rowdy RV park campground with hundreds. of. And we had to keep explaining like, no, no, there's no RVs. These are like couples cabins basically, or, or, you know, they, four people and each one, I think each one, we put them on like three acres each and they couldn't at the end. And they just still were like, they just didn't want, they said the road can't handle this traffic. I said, this is six cars a day. And while I was there, I was there for an hour one time on the land, kind of walking it with, uh, some people and, um, probably 50 cars that came by in that time. So the way they saw it, yeah, it was not in my backyard. And they, I don't think they understood what we were trying to do. But in the end, I said, look, I don't want to ever disturb a neighbor. That's why I prefer to buy land and, and build a house or whatever. Add, you know, we have a housing shortage. So I, I, I'm into building, you know, more stuff and specifically more cool stuff. So, yeah, that's how I look at it. So I have, a, I have a question. How do you pick your market? What makes you go to Shenandoah National Forest or, you know, Georgia or, or wherever? What do you see? Is it tourism? Is it growth? Is it tech? You know, what are you seeing to, to influence that? Right. So, I mean, and I, I, I've walked people through how I comp out places or how I fund markets. So there's certain markets like um, everybody hears about from like podcasts or from, from wherever they'll hear about a market and then everybody will look at it. And there's maybe 20 houses on the market and these places are booking well on Airbnb. And so everybody's trying to get in and it jacks up the prices and the market messes up the market. Well, depends on what I'm trying to do. So if I'm looking at a market where I say, there's a lot of markets out there where there's plenty of land and there's land for like $30,000 that's buildable, it has electricity, you know, I need, I can put a septic in, so I don't need sewer. I can dig a well if I have to. And a lot of times the well can be under $10,000. Uh, in different parts of the country. So that's not a big cost, but I need electricity. And besides that, I can maybe get a nice parcel, like an acre or more for under 50,000. And sometimes it's like 15 to 20,000. And I look for cheap land and I look for high resale value. And that's what we're just talking about for the strategy of building to sell. And so there's a lot of short-term rental markets out there where you just have these big jacked up prices and people don't want to put in the work to buy land talk to the sellers and, and get it, make it happen. And then go through the process of finding a contractor, designing a house, permitting. It, it's a, it's a long time and have to deal with contractors. But in the end you have, if you do it right, you have you've built in all this equity by using that time and, and doing it right. And a lot of these markets, they're Airbnb markets, but everybody's just taking existing old homes. They're remodeling them and trying to like retrofit in a certain look and it just doesn't work. And then you come along, a house hits the market and all these people are looking at the 20 or so houses on the market and you come along with this special unique build that's rare for this place and it fetches a high price because people get FOMO and they say, oh, that's what I've lo been looking for. Let's, let's go for it. It's going to make me this much money. So for that strategy, I'm looking for places that have high resale value and low land costs. Um, okay. So and have yeah, lesser plenty expensive of land. land. Yeah. Because if I'm going to sell something for, let's say I'm sell something for 500000 I want to be and in, in, in a lot of places, a plot of land, an acre of land is more than that. You know what I mean? So it's just cost prohibitive. But in other markets where there's houses going for six and seven hundred thousand dollars, if they look a certain way where investors, short term rental investors are going to want to buy it, 
then, and I can get land for 25 or $30,000. There's a lot of meat on the bone for me to design something cool and build. Yeah. That's a lot of room for equity because like you said, the high resale six or 700,000, but you can buy a piece of land for, you know, I don't know, 10, 20, 30,000. Is that what you said? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That Um, is a lot of room. And I assume you're not building, you know, well, you could tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. Like what size square feet do you usually build? You know, is it under 2000 or or is there a certain square feet that you like to stay at? Yeah, it totally depends on the market. And that's where you got to find the right realtor. And I'll, the first thing I do when I look at a market is I try to get connected with a realtor. And this is, I mean, if you can get a recommendation, if you know somebody, but I like somebody who's young, not too young and not too old. So I like somebody that's been there for at least 10 years and, but is young enough, like maybe like thirties and forties that understands the, the short-term rental market and the younger investors that are there and, and what they're looking for. I've talked to realtors that were a little out of touch on how things have changed in the past 10 years. And I've talked to realtors who were just salespeople and I, I'm not really getting the right vibe from them. But the first thing I'll do is I'll kind of see like, what is the market here? What are people uh, looking to book? And then I'll go to uh, a site called AirDNA, which I think is the best kind of market research tool for short-term rentals. And that can tell you the percentage of what's in the market and what people are looking to book. So AirDNA, I can look at a general market, like you can type in, you know, Gatlinburg, Tennessee or whatever. And from that, you can look at studios, one, two, three, four, five bedrooms and it, it kind of what people are looking for. And then I'll go on to Redfin or Zillow and I'll just look at what's for sale and also look at what's under contract and I'll get an idea of price points, right? Because it's price per square foot ends up being, you know, what you're paying to build. And I'll get an idea. Okay. I think that, uh, the houses that are a thousand square feet are still maybe fetching a high price. And then you got those really nice homes that are 2,800 square feet and, and it's marginally better. So in that case, in that market, I may just build like a thousand square foot A-frame that looks really cool. And it's going to fetch me a really nice premium price for, you know, a few hundred thousand to build plus land cost and perming and everything and utilities. But, but yeah, and, and that's for that strategy. Now, sometimes the other strategy is, and, the, and you, you, you need to go in, especially I always tell people when I'm, when I'm talking to them, like you need to go in with multiple exit strategies if you're new to this and If you only have, you know, if you're buying into a game, you only got one chip to play. You want to give yourself as many outs as you can. So if I'm going to get acquired piece of land, I want to have the option that I can Airbnb this cash out. So I have enough equity after the appraisal's done that I can cash out and get as much of my money back as I can, hopefully all of it, and then have infinite returns because this is running on Airbnb and it's covering my mortgage. And it's like, you know, it's just like free money at that point. So I'll design something that I know, I'll calculate what my cash out would be, what it would appraise for estimated, all, my all-in costs. And if I can get all my money out, uh, then I'll use AirDNA and I'll use kind of, I'll go in and on Airbnb and I'll look at other similar places in the market and say, what do I think I can actually book this for and make sure I can cover my mortgage at the end if I want to keep it. Yeah. So this is very, it seems very technical and it seems like it takes a lot of money to get this rolling. You know, how does someone that's just your podcast is incredible. How to quit your day job podcast. And a lot of people listening to the whole selling ink podcast are trying to quit their day job or hate their day job, or they're working two day jobs like you. How does someone like that, that maybe has two or $3,000 saved up in a bank account and they're just kind of getting by 
not a lot of time, not a lot of money. How does someone like this start something like what you're, what you're doing now? Like just, just one, you know, start with one. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'll talk to people like, um, I get on my website, people reach out a lot and I do coaching calls and they'll, they'll say, I want to get into real estate. And maybe they'll say, you know, I go, how much, okay, how much are you making? What do you have saved up? The most, the biggest thing you have, you have a W2 job is you have borrowing power, right? And borrowing so, power. You mentioned farm credit. That kind of yeah. perked my ears yeah. up a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, if once you've done a few of these, you can talk to commercial lenders and investors and they'll fund these things uh, once you can show that you can make money. If somebody's doing like a $20 million you know, apartment complex, they're not going to a, a lender and saying, all right, get me a, a normal uh, mortgage. And they say, let me see your credit report and, and, and your pay stubs, right? They're working with lenders and there's all these things. That whole world is down the road. But to start, if you have a W-2 job and you don't have a bunch of debt, the biggest thing you have is your borrowing power. A lender will allow you to buy a house with a primary home is like three and a half, five percent down or 10% down for a second home where you can run it as an Airbnb. You just have to be there like, uh, you know, a week or two of the year. And so they'll l- lend you up to uh, like 43% of your gross income. That is what you have. So if you make $10,000 a month, they'll give you a mortgage payment of $4,300 a month, which you can use. Now, if you only have $3,000 in the bank and you're really struggling to get by, I tell people, you got to think long-term. Everybody gets this urge, like, I got to do this now. I got to do this now. It's 2023 in the beginning. I don't think housing prices are going to skyrocket by the end of the year, right? And talking to you, Brent, it's like doing wholesaling deals and all these things. We talked about your first deal, how little money you had, right? You got to hustle to get to that point of your first down payment. And and you think about it long-term. This is a long-term timeline. It's not a tomorrow or the next day timeline. You got to get your life in order. The first thing you got to do, if you have any high interest debt, credit card debt, you got to get out of that. And you got to get get a no interest credit card for 18 months and transfer all the all your credit to that so you're not paying interest and then just focus on paying that down or go to your credit union and say hey I have $25,000 in debt I want to transfer it here and and get the rate down cuz I'm paying 17% 25% no no you should be paying like market rate 7% or whatever you know your payment's going to go down get out of that debt if you're not at that point or once you have that if you don't have debt or or you've already passed that point now you need to increase your income you can do that at the same time as you're working on your debt, but it's side hustles. It's it's little things. It's start a YouTube channel, start something, like build some sort of business. You need side hustles. Like Amazon is selling, you know, you really got to get in there and find a way to increase your income. Get a second job. That's what I did. Find another way to get a second job. And you need to like stack your money as much as you can and save for that down payment. Sometimes for some people, like they say, I want to get into real estate. It's like, okay, that's great. Set a goal for one year from now to get into real estate and see what you can do in that year. You can change your life if you really focus on that. It's like going to the gym. You know, you're a year in the gym and eating right. You're a different person. And um, so true. Once when I talk to people, I tell them like, you're not investing in real estate right now. You're not ready, but you need to set a goal. And I would say to somebody, is like, this is actually a good time to hunker down. It's kind of like when COVID happened and everybody was like, okay, now time to focus on other things because I'm not going to the office or whatever. This is a time where we've hit these rapid increase in prices and now it's kind of a lull. Well, you don't need to be super eager to get in. Now there's more opportunities now because I can walk up to somebody with land that's been on the market or house that's been on the market forever and say, look, I'll buy this, but I need you to carry the the note on this and I'll, I'll, I'll buy your land and you'll make interest or whatever. Especially if it's been sitting on the market for several months. You know, yeah. you can't catch someone when they first list it within the first 45 days. 
that's probably not going to fly. But if, if you see that it's been sitting on the market for 180 days or more, that's when these sellers are willing to take less and take it on terms on payments. So I yeah. like that you mentioned the fact of getting out of debt. Another thing that, I, that was coming to my mind was partner up. There's other people that want to do these things as well that might have the time or might have the money or the credit, the W-2 job, the purchasing power, and partner up with them. I've seen amazing things happen with the right partners. Yeah, I mean, partnering is, is a huge way. That's how I started. Now, I, I was in a position where I had, you got to figure out what you bring to the table and what you bring to the table may be your, your borrowing power, you know, and uh, that's right. somebody else may have the down payment, but they don't have the, uh, the borrowing power or something, you know. That's right. There's people out there with a lot of money that have terrible credit or no borrowing power and you could team up with that person. So that's incredible. I appreciate you sharing kind of that, how to like get started and where you've, where you've transformed and into this business and what you're doing, you know, any, any final words of advice for that person just getting started or gold nuggets. You know, I I like that you mentioned that you also partnered any last words of advice that you, you'd mentioned someone just getting started. Uh, Yeah. Luckily, we're in a world where all the information is out there, you know, and it's making it kind of homogenous because you, you, a lot of people are doing the same strategies because we know it works, but the, you can give yourself a free education, immerse yourself in whatever you want to do, real estate and learn what's available and, and what your options are to start. Like you should be educating yourself as much as possible, even like in the middle, if you're early on and you're trying to figure this out, just go online and find the right people that are giving you information that you uh, you know, they're, they're not holding back information. They're actually giving you information and, and give yourself an education. And when you're ready to make that swing, if you've saved up and you only have one, you know, just to be frank, if you only have, you know, a loss could mean a big loss for you is give yourself multiple exit strategies and think, how, what am I going to do here? You know, sell like an Airbnb. If I'm talking about building or buying a home, you know, I can remodel it and sell it. Or could I long-term rent it and cover the mortgage and then maybe it's a shortfall of a couple hundred bucks a month, you know? So uh, give yourself multiple outs. Don't just give yourself one door to go out of. You got to, you know, it's like an airplane. You want multiple different doors that you can go out of. So, I mean, just like that 47 acres, the plan that you had set out to do did not happen, but you still had another exit plan selling it to the neighbor. Yeah. And, and if not, we would have just put it on the market and who knows, you know, and then, and then taken a loss on it. So... Yeah. You you just want to, but at the same time, you know, my life completely changed because I took this swing. And for me, it meant everything because I couldn't go into an office anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't just look at the sunshine and, and, and see, I talk about this in one of my videos on my channel, but just like, I talk about all the time, but I worked in Silicon Valley as an engineer, just eight hours a day on the computer, like for something I didn't care about, it meant nothing to me. And there's, it was by the San Jose airport and just planes taking off going it's Hawaiian airlines. I'm like, they're going to Hawaii right now. Why am I not? I can't do that if I wanted to, because I have 10 days off a year and I already used, there's a wedding I had to go to. That was four. It's like, I got to wait till next year. And I have friends too. Like I have friends that I'll say, Hey, you want to go do something? They're like, I took a day off last month. I can't take another day. Oh, off. And it's, I hate when my friends say that. And it's funny how your friends change too when you become a business owner compared to going from the W-2. And that was hard for me. It's like, you know, there's a reason why I don't want my wife having a job. It's because I want her to be able to go with me. Exactly. When it's time to go. Exactly. 
So that's so funny yeah. you say that. I, I am still single, uh, but I went on a date not too long ago back and uh, she was uh, an executive assistant. I was like, what's your schedule like? <laughs> and eventually oh, I man. said like, would you want to work for me someday? Like, or with me someday, you know, like so that we can have the freedom to travel. Cause that's kind of important to me. And she was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, but yeah, it, it's just, and not, not that life's about travel, but it's about, I mean, we have the mean, we live in a weird world now where there's certain groups of people that if you fight hard and you, and you really put your mind to it, you can absolutely change your life. It just takes time. And, and yeah, like give yourself, make sure you take the right swing, but take the swing. Because when I first bought that land in Joshua Tree and we built that house, uh, I had another friend who was telling me not to because he was sure everything was this and that. And that guy, I mean, he still hasn't. And and my life's completely different. Also, and the stuff you learn, you give yourself the next, we learn by doing. And if I, I could lose everything I have uh, tomorrow, but I would find a way back in. And with the knowledge and the experience I have, I'm sure I could build myself back, back up again. Um, yeah. You're not the same yeah. person you were nine months ago. You've mm-hmm. increased your skills just in the last nine months or the last nine days in some cases or the last nine hours. So you could possibly lose it all, but you'll rebuild so much faster. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Martinez, how can people get in touch with you? How can people find you? I know we already talked about how to quit your day job podcast and you mentioned your channel. How do we find that? Yeah. My YouTube channel is Johnny M. Martinez, uh, J-O-H-N-N-Y-M Martinez. But the easiest way to get a hold of me is just my website, uh, johnnymartinez.com. And uh, there I do I do coaching calls. You can you can uh, reach out to me there and, and talk to me if you're interested in uh, getting together. But uh, yeah, I need to... I've been so busy. I've been bad about uh, putting videos out and everything. But uh, I'm going to you know, keep doing it because I enjoy doing it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. Six videos on your YouTube channel, 27,000 subscribers. So Johnny M Martinez, thanks for being a go-giver. Thanks for jumping on the wholesaling podcast and sharing so much with Rhino nation. God bless and uh, talk soon. Yeah. Great talking. Here you have it. Rhino nation. Johnny is picking land in very specific areas where the cost of the housing is huge, but the land is still relatively very cheap. And that gives you the big spread for the opportunity of creating equity and being able to pull your cash back out and then run that Airbnb business or turn around and sell it. I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Go ahead and follow me on TikTok at Brent L. Bowers One. I'm recording a video every single day talking about what I'm doing in my land business, what other, what other rhinos and land sharks are doing in their land business. And if you're interested in joining one of the most aggressive real estate training programs out there, I want you to go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash land, schedule a call with me and my team, fill out the application, And I'd be honored to hold your hand and walk you through the land investing business. Until next time. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.